1: Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more.
2: This is TalkSport Daily.
1: Hello
0: and welcome to another TalkSport Daily podcast with me, your TalkSport Daily podcast host, Andy Goldstein. And of course, also the host of the Andy Goldstein Sports Bar Monday, Thursday. And at the moment, I'm on dry time for one more day, Friday, in case you're wondering. 4 p.m. Anyway, Uh, A busy podcast coming up, so let's jump straight to it. We can hear firstly from John Hartson.
3: He was talking with Jim White and Natalie Sawyer. This very weekend, actually, Natalie, I don't think I mentioned this to you. John Hartson's foundation is going to go through the £1 million mark in terms of funds raised. And I'm going up there and I'll be on stage with them. Uh, as we do a big, big night for the Foundation, raising more money for for research into cancer. And it's something that means so, so much to John Hartson, following his own very personal battle, a battle at some stages he didn't think he might win. And this gets a bit emotional. And John, if you are listening this morning, I think you are, I'm really thrilled that you did this with me. Have a listen to this.
4: Well, um, I started to get ridiculous headaches, Jim, really. Uh, not just your normal headache where you can take a couple of paracetamol and it goes. You know, I can remember taking a whole pack of paracetamol in Dublin airport. Um, I was coming back from a, a, from a charity event and um, I got home and I just felt terribly, ter- ter- I felt absolutely awful within myself. And then obviously I went to get a diagnosis and then I, I found out that I'd had testicular cancer that spread to my lungs and onto my brain. Um, I think this, the story is has been out there several times since. I spent six weeks literally battling for my life in and out of theatre, um, the operating theatre. And then I had a big... I had a big... Um, I had a big sort of... Uh, Issue when I came out of hospital, it wasn't an issue. it was a program that I had to follow in terms of getting myself back to full strength a chemotherapy uh, program I had to follow, which I did rigorously and um, you know, through the grace of God, um, I was managed to come through that and it was about a year later that I decided to set up the John Hartson Foundation because you know they did so much for me in in the hospital, they pulled out all the stops for me. And um, how do you thank somebody who's just saved your life? Well, you can't really. So I thought, well, by setting up the the charity and... Um, giving something back that way, using my profile, if you like, to, to fill out events and golf yeah. days and walking up Ben Nevis, which we've done five times in the last nine years. <laughs> and obviously you're hosting our our ball, which we have an annual ball in I'm Glasgow. I'm looking forward to that
3: on Saturday. That'll be brilliant. We've got a yeah. full
4: house, Jim. It'd be fantastic. You've raised coming. over a million. We've got, we go over a million on Saturday, which
3: which is phenomenal amounts really and uh, it's overwhelming the amount of support that we get. Yeah, but it shows you how popular you are. I mean, you're you're loved by Celtic fans worldwide. I remember, of course, you almost went to Rangers. Yes. Now, in in a curious twist, you then end up at Celtic Park. What was it? it? It didn't go through at Rangers because there was a problem with it—the the, the, the medical if I remember rightly. But Rangers' loss was Celtic's gain well, enormously.
4: Well, it was—it was—it was amazing, really, what happened. I was flown in on Sir David Murray's private jet from Cardiff into Glasgow. I was signing for Glasgow Rangers. I'd agreed all terms. I was signing for six point five million pounds, signing on the same day as Ronald bought in the year two thousand. So we're talking 20 years ago. I was going there for six million. Um, and uh, the medical came back and there was an issue with my knee. I was basically uh, sent packing, sent away, back down to Cardiff. Not really a big explanation, to be honest with you. Um, and then three months later, they signed Tory Andre Flo for 13.2 million. So they were getting me for six, you know. But uh, I know six months later, Martin O'Neill picked up the phone to me and uh, said to me, you know, that Rangers' loss is our gain, John, unless you've got a hole in your heart, I'm going to sign you. And next thing I was up to Glasgow and I was signing for Celtic and the rest is history. I had five wonderful seasons at Celtic, um, played in a wonderful team with with some great, great players under Martin O'Neill. And, um, you know, it it turned my football career around lately because I'd I'd had two years at Arsenal, two years at West Ham, a little spell at Wimbledon, uh, Coventry, but going to Celtic, you know, I found my home there. I had five years there, loved Glasgow. I now live in Edinburgh, which is a fantastic part of the world. And, um, you know, I embraced it. I embraced the Scots, and, and they now supported me with my charity, which is great.
3: Is there ever a day goes by that you don't thank your lucky stars that you're still with us? Because at one stage, John, I, I was wondering and I was praying, I was hoping, dear God, no. Get them through this. Well, Jim, I go about
4: my life now. I try and do my work. I try and do it to the best of my ability. And I look after my family. I look after my children and my wife. And that's the most important thing to me. Um, yeah, so. Yeah,
3: you're, you're valued by so many people. I, I do hope you know that. And on Saturday when I'm in Glasgow with you, it be an absolute honour and privilege to share the stage with you. And I sincerely mean that because I think of moments in my career and you've been part of it and I loved watching you play and by God, you could play John Hartson. Thank you, Jim.
0: Now we can cross over to drive time. Strange old caller on the show, a Liverpool fan who wants Liverpool to be his own country.
2: I just want to say why Liverpool supporters don't support England. It goes back hundreds of years when the majority of people in Liverpool have an immigrant background, predominantly Irish. So we class ourselves more Celtic than English. And that's why people say, you know, Liverpool is the capital of Ireland. And that's why people in Liverpool class themselves as Scouse and not English. And we don't look at ourselves as being English. And that's why people like Jamie Carragher said those things. And that's what you find most Liverpool supporters think.
5: But you live in England, mate.
2: I don't live in England. I live in Liverpool. And I'm a Scouser. What country is Liverpool in? I don't care. It's just connected. No, no, no. To oh, no, yeah. no of
5: course you do, but, mate. But what I mean, country is it in, John?
2: No. What passport you got? I live in Liverpool. And I'm a Scouser. I don't class myself but as John, being in England. But, John,
0: don't, calm down. Don't shout. I'm, it's a serious question. What country is Liverpool in, in your mind? I'm curious.
2: It's attached to England. It's attached to it? Is it in it? It's like Scotland. Attached to England. It's part of Great Britain. They want to be independent. If we were big enough, we'd be independent. We'd have our own free Republic of Liverpool. You just, you well, who would you cheer you on at the World England, Cup, John? What you, see, what you see in England, games, you see small-town England, little places, John, little who, towns, what, little like villages. Leeds. You don't see big cities.
0: John, who would you cheer on at the World Cup?
2: I don't cheer England on. No, I that's, not why, the that's not why I up
0: No, John, listen, who do you cheer I on at World Cup? I don't follow
2: international football. You don't? No, okay. it's crap. Like Jose John, said. you sound very He's angry. Not... John, why are you so angry with us? Oh, we're Scouts. We're yeah, not
0: English. Okay. We can head now to what was the Breakfast Show with Laura Woods and Steve Harmison, who had Jamie O'Hara on the show. And this is Jamie O'Hara and Laura Woods and Steve Harmison, who are alongside Jamie O'Hara on the show, playing player roulette on the show. With Laura Woods and Steve Harmison.
1: Thirty-two, Harry Redknapp. <laughs> <laughs> That's
6: classic. Um, Harry Redknapp. Well, I've got a few stories on Harry. To be fair, um, the first one would be, um, I remember when we was at Tottenham, we'd all organised a Christmas party, uh, and Harry Redknapp was not, you know, he hated Christmas parties. <laughs> hated him he, he was really against them all because so, they
7: were distraction or
6: something. yeah he just didn't like them. it was a busy time of the year but what what happened was was that Robbie Keane had organized this uh, big event in Dublin we'd all gone out there uh, we all we all went and before Harry even knew what was going on we'd had the Christmas party and we were back trained on the Monday <laughs> Harry pulled us all in the Monday afternoon and said boys I'm just letting yous know I don't want any of yous on a Christmas party
7: not knowing (laughs) that we'd
6: already gone. So on the Tuesday, the sun paper comes out. Oh, no. Everyone's on the back of it, falling out out of nightclubs. Harry Redknapp goes absolutely mental, (laughs) absolutely gives everyone the hair-dry treatment. And let me tell you, none of us played that weekend. (laughs)
7: Technically, you haven't broken any rules because you'd already been, We'd already been, yeah, 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 yeah,
6: yeah, but he he didn't like it. (sighs) uh he done another one as well harry to be fair is a good one uh was, I was playing in the game i was a young kid and i told all the boys i was on this big contract and all that and uh, uh, uh sorry I, and harry goes um he pulled him in with his plan rubbish he pulled us in and he, he pointed to me and all the boys in their crouchy huddles, huddleston all that look at him oara he's running around he's giving everything he's only on five grand a week <laughs> and all the boys start laughing and he walks out and Harry walks out and all the boys start going, you told us you was on 15.
8: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
7: all right, let's give it another spin then. Red 16, Dimitar
4: Berbatov. Oh, that's
6: big oh, good. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I mean, I was never a big fan of him. Um, he was a fantastic player. He never said hello to anyone in the morning never shook anyone's hand. And then when you talk about when we are talking about arrogance earlier, yeah. he was so arrogant. Okay. Um, I mean, we was training once. I was a young kid um, and I was really busy flying around into tackles. He was on my team in a five-a-side and he was just talking about how good he is, really. Um, I'm screaming. I'm screaming. Uh, I've made an overlap. Gone past him. He can't see me. He's got the ball. He's not facing the game. He's not facing the play. I'm screaming. I've made an overlap. burba burba Give it to me! Give me the ball! And... Out of nowhere, he hits one outside of his boot, left foot, over about four players' head, touch straight to me. And I was like, I'll turn around and gone. how'd he even see me? <laughs> He'd come up to me, put his arm around me and went, hey, you don't need to call my name, I see you.
7: Is <laughs> walk- he the Terminator? <laughs> 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 okay, here we go. Another spin, please.
9: Green zero, David Bentley.
6: David Bentley. Um, I mean, probably one of the best characters in football. With so many stories I could say about Dave, but not you know they're probably not good for radio. Um, oh, the only one I've really got on Dave is um, w- it was snowing. Uh, we had a, a training ground at Spurs. It was snowing, and I think Jermaine Genius or someone uh, they all ganged up on him, Inhar- uh, Woodgate and all that, and were pelting him with um, snowballs. snowballs oh. You know, and you know, proper hammered him um but what he did was after training he walked off and before going into the training room i think he went to jermaine genus's car and built a snowman <laughs> and put it on his front seat <laughs> so when jermaine went to his car he's opening his door and he's got a big snowman sat in his front seat <laughs> melting in his rain rover was
7: it a nice car as well <laughs> it, it was
6: a proper motor yeah
9: i'm alan brazil and this is talk sport daily
2: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: This episode of the Talksport Daily is brought to you by Enterprise Rent a Car. Planning to hire or share a car or van? Enterprise is there every step of the way whenever and wherever you need a vehicle and whatever it's for enterprise can help with over 450 locations across the uk they're just around the corner whether you need a weekend rental a holiday hire a replacement car or you're planning a business trip home or away enterprise are there to help to find out more and book visit enterprise.co.uk
0: staying with breakfast mick mccarthy was responding to a david connolly story about him having his breakfast oh no Oh, talking about it on breakfast. I get it.
7: David Connolly played under you at island uh, during your first stint as manager. Last night you told Talksport this specific story. We wanted to play it out to you about the night you stayed over at his.
8: He came to watch me in, in Holland, and I was only I don't know a kid or whatever. And at the end of the game, right, thanks Mick. You know, see you soon. You know. And he's like, um, where are you going now? I said, oh, I'm going home. But could I stay at yours? You want to stay at mine? <laughs> at my house. He was like, well, yeah, I've got a hotel, but I was like, well, uh, if you want to. So quickly got home. I was with my, my <laughs> wife and I was like, I can, I can, Mick McCarthy wants to stay here. Can you go and tidy up? I like, we've got a wasp nest upstairs. I said, well, you better go and hoover them all up pretty quick. <laughs> so Mick came in and he, I tell you what, he made himself right at home. Mm. He sat down in the chair, got the remote <laughs> and it was about 11 o'clock. And uh, after 11 o'clock in Holland, you know, they had a, a like a cable, Canal mm. Plus. Well, he turned it on, I his eyes nearly came out of his head because he, <laughs> after 11 o'clock it can get a bit um, racy. <laughs> Bloody hell, Dave, what is it? I was like, oh, my God, this is a disaster. He's here watching, you know, things he shouldn't be seeing. He's going to be stung in the morning mm. he'll never come back.
7: Well, I hadn't heard that story until just now. <laughs> wow. I imagine you uh, you turned the TV off, Mick.
2: Well, the reason I asked to stay is because I heard he got a good collection of movies in his house. <laughs> That's why I asked to stay. <laughs>
7: Was he a good I'm,
2: host? Did, not, they, did they look after you that night? They did look after me, yes. <laughs> I was a bit worried about the uh, the content that was on his television, actually. I went straight to bed and I left him to it. Uh, so you did. I was looking for football. I got something completely different. <laughs>
6: A late David McGoldrick header rescued a point for the Republic of Ireland in Euro 2020 qualifying. It meant they shared the points with Switzerland, with the game finishing one apiece in Dublin. Mick McCarthy's men are just three points clear of Denmark after five matches.
0: We can head back to Jim White, who had Glenn Johnson on the show. And this is Glenn Johnson, or GJ, as is No, no one's ever called him that. Anyway, this is him explaining why he stands by his Berrahino comments.
6: I know the man code in a dressing room better than anyone and anyone that I've shared a dressing room with will know that so if somebody asks you a question I'm going to give an honest answer it's as simple as that so no I don't regret a single word I said the ones that are saying that it's negative it's this I'm trying to ruin careers or whatever what am I going to gain out of that I couldn't Mm. care less I was asked a question Mm. I gave my opinion I've had many people that were in the same dressing room backing it up so I know I was correct and nothing to prove to anyone I don't need to make a career of anything or, or ruin anyone's career it's not in my DNA to do
0: that Back now to Drive with Goffy and me, of course. And this is me and Goffey talking about cricket. Actually, it's Goffey talking about cricket and me just nodding and every so often going, hmm, I agree.
5: With Joffre Archer, we're just going to remember it is all his third uh, test match. The first one, he bowled with terrific pace. I thought the second one at Edenlea in the first innings, he bowled with terrific skill. This third one is not like uh, looked at, at the races, but what you've got to remember he's been thrust into the spotlight by being allowed to play at the World Cup uh, bowling that final over, uh pick for England, getting five4 bowling at 95 miles an hour in a test match. The ECB want their bit out of him He's the golden poster boy at the moment his agents probably thinking <laughs> he's piling in the uh, personal appearances. and when we went to Edinburgh the other day we we talked about drive. We got up there. We didn't get up there until three. England finished training at 12. He was still there doing interviews. So what we're going to do is say, yeah, we all want a piece of Joffrey Archer, but let him just play cricket for now. There's plenty of time. He's going to get a million pound contract with the ECB at the end of September. So he doesn't need to cram in all these personal experiences. It's not like somebody who's just been on Big Brother or on Love Island, where Mm. they have to get as many appearances as they possibly can in three months before they forget who he is. He's going to be around for the next 10 years should be around for the next 10 years.
11: My first Ashes experience was um was golfy. We mm. 2002 over to Australia. We played in Perth warm-up game. Thinking, right, I've got a chance here of getting into the England side first test match Brisbane. Here we go. And then you look, I remember I remember going back into the dressing room and all hell broke loose. <laughs> Nasser Hussein wasn't happy because England took five players who were injured. One of them was our, one of them was our premier fast bowler and Darren Goff. He is my hero, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna possibly make my England debut with my hero Darren Goff. And then we get to, we get to Perth and we are basically losing against the pub side. And mm-hmm. Nasser's just, he's very volatile. Nasser he's captain and he went off on one. Start shouting at Goffy because he wasn't at fit. Goffy shouting at Nasser because. Why did you bring me if I'm not fit? It was like a sketch off Punch and Judy. NASA's throws his bat, his gloves and everything at Goffey, calling them all the names under the sun. Goffey's throws his boots back at NASA, calling NASA all the names under the sun. And I'm sitting there as a 22, 23-year-old thinking... I'm going to play my first test match against Australia. The England captain and my hero, England's premier fast bowler, are now throwing kit at each other. And in three weeks' time, we're going to have to play against one of the greatest teams of all time in their back garden. We got beat 4-1. Goffey was home before the first test. And that was my first ever Ashes experience.
0: Staying with breakfast, and a former special services soldier, Ant Middleton, was on the show.
7: The Fear Bubble is about exposing fear. A lot of people, they experience fear once in their life and they don't go near it. It's like a dirty word, right? They're like, it glues them to the ground. But I've been forced to expose fear on a daily basis, especially on operations, especially climbing Mount Everest. Whatever I decide to do is quite risk, uh, quite risky. So um, it's just that exposure of fear that you start to understand about it. And then you start to, under, if fear is an emotion, you start to understand about the emotion, you start to understand about yourself, therefore you become a better version of yourself. Mm. So it's about um, just getting out there and challenging fear. Fear is the number one thing that stops us from achieving everything. And we're, we're incredible human beings, you know, we're so much capable of so much more. And we operate about a quarter of our potential. And I just get frustrated when I see people that have got so much potential, but fear literally stops them in their tracks. I want to grab them by the ears and go, right, you know, just commit, challenge it. It doesn't matter whether you fail or succeed. It's about the, the journey along the way and what you will learn along the way. And do you think way. that's,
11: the, from the sports point of view, do you think that's a benefit when it comes to fear? Because I sometimes think when, you, when you play in sport, you're playing sport, you that that fear factor of performance. Actually, what drives you on and makes you makes you better is that something that you you sort of concur with? That? Yeah, one hundred percent. That makes you a better person because of the fear factor,
7: definitely. And people say, "Anne, are you feel it." That doesn't exist. No mm. one's fearless. No. It's the fear that actually drives you on. But once you learn to harness it and make it work for you, you can achieve incredible, incredible things. And also, it's like fear is like as you know. Every time you expose it, you take a layer off. Mm. You start to understand, you go, actually, this isn't that, that bad. You learn about yourself. You learn about yourself and you start to use it as a positive energy. It it's almost gets you ready. You know, all fear is, I explain it in my book, all fear is, is your body telling itself to get ready. Mm. That's all it is. It's like, get ready, get ready, get ready. And that's what it is. It's, bo- it's the body priming itself to step into the unknown. And a lot of people are fearful of the unknown. Mm-hmm. But once you learn to, to to use it to your advantage, it becomes an exciting emotion. I get excited when I feel fear. And people say, oh, aren't you an adrenaline junkie. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. I just, I've exposed it so many times that I know it better than anyone else. And uh, I know how to use it to my advantage.
0: Time now to hear a bit of H&J or Paul and Andy or Hawksby and Jacobs. This is them talking about stuff as they do with words coming out of their mouth. Amazing.
9: A welcome return to the studio is comedian Chris Ramsey. Good to see you, Chris. Hello, pleasure as always. Yeah, you, you like
8: mm. the new gaff, don't Beautiful you? Beautiful
9: new gaff, doesn't mm. smell like teenage boy
10: anymore. No, no, no nice. It's, it's, it smelled it's, it's like a teenage boy's changing room, it smelled disgusting <laughs> and sweaty, and <laughs> it's, now it,
9: this is really nice. It's quite fragrant, isn't it? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give it a couple of years. So, you have, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah we'll turn it into a locker room. There'll be a smell <laughs> of horse oils and deep heat. There well, it we is are. a sports station. Yeah, well, that's we okay, should, I Don't you think we should pump it in? We should pump in a Do they not do a plug in? Yeah because you want that smell I mean they, they often talk about the withdrawal symptoms that a footballer uh, yeah. suffers uh, when no. they stop playing if you just put on sort of quite loud R&B at five to three <laughs> in your house every day got friends to come round and say come on boys <laughs> and just pump some DE in on a, a plug in I on mean that expert. sounds like my idea of hell but yeah, <laughs> yeah. keep going <laughs> it, it wouldn't work no. now, so um, we're very excited that you're in Strictly because you can tell by the number of questions we asked you yeah, yeah way, I thought yeah, the interview.
10: Yeah already started when I came uh, and sat yeah, down. Yes, yes,
9: yes. Well, look, it's bold, Chris, isn't it? I mean, yeah. what, what made you think, yeah, it's something you'd always wanted to do or, the, or just the offer came no, in? Honestly,
10: I hadn't even considered it until they asked. It was one of them things. I'm sure in the past I'd probably, I'd probably sort of you know, thought they'd never really ask me. And I don't know. And, 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 mm. and I went for a practice dance and I came out of the practice dance and I was genuinely buzzing. I was like, you know what? I got the bug for it. It, it was really enjoyable. And I was like, I really want to do this. So this do they, can, really is that enjoyable.
9: kind of an audition? Did they I ask it was you,
10: basically an audition. So they I, ask you if you're interested. Yeah, but I yeah. was thinking about this earlier. I don't know what they were looking for. <laughs> yeah. What you was? Know I mean, what was? Yeah, if yeah, I was yeah, terrible, yeah. get them on. Yeah. If you're brilliant, that's right. Otherwise, them, like, well, I not so I, be I for, imagine for I must good. have been bad. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed. Well, to Well, be otherwise, good. how
9: did Anne Wyddickham and John Sargent get on? If, they must yeah. have been terrible in audition and they did it deliberately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, they obviously know that they're pretty seasoned. The producers of this show, they've yeah. done a brilliant job over the years, so mm. they, they must don't. know what they're looking. for Well,
10: yeah, I mean, I've got no idea.
9: Am I the comedy fodder?
10: Am I this year's Wally? We'll find out.
9: Well, yeah, you, you probably this. Is Sean Walsh? You've addressed the fact that you're doing strictly, and and the curse. Yeah, the curse.
10: It's not a curse, you know. It's 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 you know. I'm not going to comment on anyone else's situation over the years, but it's you know, people are people. At the end of the day, yeah, Uh, it's dancing. Personally, for me, um, I can't really link it to anything. Uh, kind of sexual because I'm so terrified while I'm doing it uh, I'm thinking about my feet I'm thinking about my face I can't yeah. control my face i stick my tongue out like a toddler who's colouring in do you know what I mean so yeah. I, the I think my wife's got nothing to worry about because she knows how unattractive I am at the opposite sex when I try and dance <laughs> so I think it's going to be I think we're safe
0: That's it for another podcasty thing. In fact, in that time, I just had this uh, email coming. just said, uh, So glad that you're back on the Sports Bar Monday night from 10pm, Andy. We've really missed you. That's very fun. Don't name him. There's another one. Andy, glad to hear you come. Anyway, they're all like that. Thousands and thousands. So I will be back on Monday night at 10pm. But today, I will be on drive time from 4pm if you'd like to tune into that. Either way, Thank you for downloading this one. Remember to press subscribe. If you don't press it, you won't hear the next podcast. I mean, you might if someone's playing it on the train really loudly. How annoying is that when you see like someone on the train you can hear from their headphones? You know, turn it down. It's public transport. They can't hear you shout that, yet they can hear because their volumes. Anyway, you could probably. It doesn't matter. Just download it, right? Press subscribe. You understand. Thanks for listening. Be safe, everyone.
2: Be safe. That was a podcast from Talk Sport.